0: Not the result
1: that we came for, and there's no such thing as a moral victory. We didn't, we didn't win. We didn't finish the game. We didn't execute. Um I think we found out we got a good football team. We got a good. We got a tough. We got a football. Team. We got to learn how to finish, and uh, that's ultimately what happened in the game. Battle, battle for three and a half, four, uh, two and a half quarters, um, and then they score one 17 seconds before the half, before third quarter, and then. We don't respond and they go in the score game in the fourth quarter. And that's the game. That's really the game. We didn't finish. We got to be able to finish when it matters the most. And uh, that's ultimately what costs us. So we got a lot to learn from this game. Um, The beauty of this thing is I just told the group in the locker room, we don't have to wait 245 days. We're able to, we got seven days for another opportunity. So uh, we got to get back to work.
2: That was Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. Post game, Saturday night after losing to Ohio State. Twenty-one to ten. Execution and finish were two of the key words in the post-game from Freeman and the players that were allowed to talk to the media Saturday night. Welcome back to Weekday Sports Beat, brought to you by Budweiser. On this Labor Day, we are live at five thirty-two. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by my Game Day Sports Beat co-host, and of course the Notre Dame football beat reporter. And Blue and Gold Illustrated, a lot of postgame coverage right now at blueandgold.com and also already starting to look ahead to Saturday's opponent, Marshall. Well, Tyler, thank you for joining me on this holiday. Greatly appreciate your time. You know, I I agree with Marcus to an extent, but I also disagree. There was a lot of focus on finish, finish, finish. And I looked throughout the football game. I just think there were a lot of missed opportunities for this squad. Defensively, I couldn't ask for much more except for that 95-yard drive. They gave this team every chance to win the football game. It just was offensively, Tyler, it looked like a football team that knew they were going on the road, hostile environment, and they had a first-time starting quarterback, and they just weren't ready to put the offense in fifth gear yet. Your thoughts on the way the Irish attacked the game offensively?
3: I agree with that. There was really only that one drive, the 10-play, 87-yard drive, where you sat there and said, man, Notre Dame looks pretty good offensively the rest of the game. I mean, whether it was the play calling, which I know everyone wants to you know, Tommy Reese questioned and looked at, but I don't think it was the play calling as much as it just was guys weren't making plays. It, it yep. starts up front with the offensive line, obviously. There were a ton of blunders, but you know, even with the offensive line and some of the mistakes that those guys made, I went, I went back and rewatched the game. I'm actually in the process of doing that right now. We'll have an article at theblueandgold.com about the offensive line play specifically, but in watching the offensive line play after play while I went back, I saw tight ends, Michael Mayer included, Kevin Bauman included, running backs, Estime, Tyree, Diggs, you know, the whole lot of them miss blocks. And when you miss blocks, and like you said, you have a first time starting quarterback, the entire play is thrown off kilter. It's going to look ugly. We saw a lot of ugly pl- throws from Tyler Buckner, especially in the second half because the play was thrown off, thrown for a loop from the very start. So Everything has to be clicking, especially when you have a guy who has never started a game, and especially when you're playing in an environment like that, and it wasn't. So when you go back to Marcus Freeman's buzzword, finish, I, I don't even really think they were in a position to finish. Okay, yeah, yep. they were winning 10-7 late in the third quarter, and you were like, they still have a chance. But who really thought, even at that point, that you know all, all Notre Dame had to do was finish at that point and, and get it over the finish line. There was an entire quarter left to play and obviously at the end of that third quarter as well, and C.J. Stroud did his thing. He finished. Notre Dame wasn't even in a position to finish because there was still a lot of game left, and they had wasted so many opportunities, like you said, Darren, in the first 40 minutes, that you just kind of felt that those were going to come back to bite, and they did.
2: Rather than talking about play calling, here's two things I left the football game questioning. And the second one, I'm really looking forward to your answer because you're going to be able to answer something those of us watching on TV couldn't. So I'll save that for a second. But the first of two things I left this football game concerned about, number one, the interior of the Irish offensive line, including the center position. I don't like to jump to conclusions, but there was a point in the game Saturday night where I said, when Jared Patterson comes back, I'm not quite sure if the best solution isn't him to go back to the center position. So I'm not going to pile just on the center. I thought there were breakdowns along the offensive line. Uh, what's your takeaway on what was supposed to be a strength of this football team? It leaked a few holes, I think, on Saturday against a really good Ohio State front.
3: I totally agree with you, and I'm going to direct everybody to my Twitter, at T.B. Orca, <laughs> the first thing that I want everybody to do is always go to blue first stop for your Notre Dame news. But if you look, I'm looking at it right now, nine minutes ago, as I said, I'm, I'm rewatching the game right now. Nine minutes ago, I tweeted a video of Z Corral snapping the ball back to Tyler Buckner and just kind of standing flat footed. Yep. Josh Lug probably could have picked up this defensive tackle on a block as well. But both of those guys, like you said, their interior offensive linemen, they let, a, a pass rusher straight through to Tyler Buckner. Last year, it would have been a sack. Jack Cohen would have been sacked. Mm-hmm. Somehow, Tyler Buckner evaded the tackle, got back to the line of scrimmage. But that was just one instance of, to me, there were many. I, I might, uh, and I'm, I'm going to post this article in the morning, on Tuesday morning, like I told everybody, but I think there might be a handful, maybe more instances, where you can just look at the Notre Dame offensive line and say to yourself, how did that happen? Why did that happen? That shouldn't. Be happening if this is the offensive line that we built up so much over the offseason with Harry Hestand coming back. If I'm saying all of this watching the film back, I guarantee you Harry Hestand <laughs> is looking at it saying, How in the world did we let some of these guys get through like that? Because, I mean, they're, they're untouched. You have got to at least put a hand on these guys. And that, that should be the very least. They should be manhandling some of these guys, even if they are very talented, highly recruited guys that Ohio State has. So, yeah, I, I left thinking the same thing. Uh, you know, The interior of the offensive line, especially, did not look very good against Ohio State.
2: And for people that did not hear today, Jared Patterson still listed as questionable by Fighting Irish head coach Marcus Freeman. Now to the second thing that concerned me, and this is harder to analyze while you're watching on TV. You're at the game. You're in the press box. I know you're watching a million things, but I just want to get your insight you look at the targets in the game. Now, granted, Buckner only threw 18 times, but wide receivers were not targeted very much. First play of the game, Styles makes the catch, goes 54 yards. You're thinking, holy cow. But the rest of the game, Styles had one more target the rest of the game, which I have a hard time believing that should be reality. But let's throw that aside. In your estimation, Lindsey, Thomas, Styles were you seeing any separation by them against those Ohio State defensive backs? Did Buckner have many ways to go with the football because receivers weren't targeted? And I'm just wondering, was part of that their inability to get separation?
3: The short answer, absolutely. It was a big part of why the Notre Dame passing game looked the way it did. The second part of that is I think Tommy Reese – was maybe a little handcuffed by the game plan. And Marcus Freeman, even today during his Monday press conference, came back in and said, the game plan was executed. We wanted to run. We ran the ball a lot. If you look at the distribution, I think it was 30 runs, 18 passes. So right there, you're looking at only 18 opportunities to throw the ball to any of those wide receivers. And then you you look at the targets, as you've all obviously done, Michael Mayer has eight of those. So that's almost half the targets going to one guy. And if you're going to target somebody – Eight times, it's probably going to be Michael Mayer. But if you're looking at it from a sample size perspective, that's only 10 opportunities where you're throwing to anybody else. And I think uh, Tyree might have got a catch. Obviously, Kevin Bauman was looked at a couple of times and made a catch. But all of a sudden, you're looking at, you know, you have three to four wide receivers who you probably trust athletically to get the ball in their hands, but you're only giving them – you know, upward of like eight shots or eight looks to get the ball in their hands. And again, that goes back to the, the first part of your question. I think separation is a huge issue. I mean, when I look at these guys in practices, I I see Lorenzo styles and I think there's no reason that guy shouldn't be targeted 10 times on a Saturday and he can make six to six to eight catches. And whether that's slants screens, you know, the quick routes, I don't think we're seeing enough of that. Again, That's partly play calling, but then again, Tommy Reese is a little bit handcuffed by what they wanted to do. So, cohesion, just overall offensive, I don't want to say game plan, because obviously the game plan was to run, but just the way that they went about attacking the Ohio State defense, it became clear that they weren't going to be able to run all over Ohio State like they wanted to, but then they really didn't turn to a quick passing game to kind of mitigate that and get the ball out of Tyler Buckner's hands quickly either. So, that's why you saw an offense fall I mean, totally flat in the second half of that ball game, and it cost them.
2: Blue and Gold Illustrated's Notre Dame football beat reporter Tyler Horka live here on WSBT Radio. Darren Pritchett with you on this Labor Day. It did not help Tommy Reese's cause, the field position in this football game. I mean, they were in some miserable spots. They started on their 15, 5, 25, 13, 5, 21, 29, 12, 13, 25. Again, with a first time quarterback. That's not exactly how you want it drawn up, but that was what they were dealing with. And part of that had to do, Tyler, with less than special, special teams. This has become known as kind of fair catch you with all the fair catches on punt returns, but... Even when they tried to return kickoffs, there was not a lot of running room. Xavier Johnson caught the touchdown pass to put them in front, then he made the ensuing tackle on the kickoff inside of the 20-yard line. So with the changes on special teams, boy, it didn't turn out to be a special night. And don't you think that had a lot to do with what Reese could do play-calling-wise, where they started a lot of these drives?
3: Oh, absolutely. And it's honestly a miracle that Notre Dame led the game at halftime because I think the field position thing got – a little better probably early third quarter. Notre Dame actually yes. started with great field position on its first drive of the third quarter. But early on, uh, those those two five-yard situations where they started at the five-yard line twice, that, those were both in the first half. Uh, they moved the ball out of there, I think, both times to, to give John Stott at mm-hmm. least a little bit of room. I don't think he ever really punted from his end zone. But in terms of what that does to an offense, absolutely. You never want to start with – you know, your back's backed up to the goal line, especially in a hostile environment like that. And I can speak to that. Boy, was it rocking in there. And Notre Dame quieted that for <laughs> a little bit. Well, when the place wanted to get loud, it got very loud. So, the field position was definitely an issue. And I go back to the very first kickoff of the game where I think Chris Tyree caught it in a decent spot. The, the kickoff specialist for Ohio They kind of cornered him a little bit. You never really want to – he cornered him and Tyree stayed on the short side of the field, which – Probably isn't a smart move, but if that's where the way the blocking set up, then that, that's probably a special teams thing to think about for Notre Dame going forward as well. But I think he got stuffed inside the 20. Maybe it was closer to the 15, and that'll give a home team a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence when you are kicking off and you are in those situations where you're punting and kicking off to gun down those guys, go down there as the gunners and make tackles. And I think we saw it consistently, and it all kind of stemmed from that very – opening kickoff of the game, because I speak of it getting very loud in there. That was honestly one of the loudest points when Ohio State went down and stuffed Tyree on the kickoff, and it was kind of like a, well, Notre Dame, you're in our house now, and we're going to play our ball, and uh, special teams-wise, it, it definitely kind of played out that way.
2: Tyler, I want to talk defense for a moment, and as I mentioned in the opening segment, even to you, the defense was outstanding, Give up 21 points, more than you could have asked for. I know fans are frustrated on the touchdown that gave Ohio State the lead, third down and 11 for Ohio State at the Notre Dame 24-yard line. Notre Dame had kept their safeties back most of the night wisely, trying to keep the ball in front of them, avoid those explosive plays. Well, the Irish got aggressive on that third down and 11 play and brought a double safety blitz, and what do you know? The safeties come. They don't get to the quarterback. They start too late. It looked like they were too far back, and the throw goes right over the top of them for a touchdown, and Ohio State takes the lead. Marcus Freeman was asked about that play call today, and here was his response.
1: No, we, we it was right before timeout, and we had a timeout, and I remember Coach Golden said, hey, do you guys like – whatever the call was and it was a zero pressure and i agreed everybody else agreed and you know you look at the execution of that play it's not the call you know it's third and 11 um we had said going into the game we either you know we had a plan for third down and one of those plans was to be able to bring six and be able to play a zero pressure we had not run that all game and we said okay here's a good time for it and you know, the execution of it wasn't where we wanted. The safeties were a little bit too late. We had a guy drop out when he probably should have been going. You know, we got to get inside leverage with the nickel. And, you know, you got a freshman in that big moment. And, you know, if we could, again, go back and do it over again, I wouldn't change the call. Probably just change the way we communicate and the execution of it. But, um, man, that was a heartbreaker and, and you know, obviously changed the tide of the game.
2: All right, let's talk our way through this. Tyler, I'll say this. On Twitter when the play happened, I asked immediately – Why was that call okay? I wasn't being critical. I just wanted to hear the other side of it. Why in that moment you would bring both safeties after playing the game the same way throughout most of the night. You're opening the door for a big play if you don't get to the quarterback. Hey, it's risk-reward when you blitz extra bodies. I totally get that. But I got to admit this. I didn't like the call at the time. Not saying it wasn't the right call. Wasn't a big fan of it. But I hated the call after hearing that comment from Marcus Freeman today. And here's why. That call came after a timeout. They were on the sideline as a unit. They could have talked about what needed to happen on that double safety blitz to make sure everybody was on the same page. And he just went through a laundry list of things that went wrong on the play. How the hell does that happen after you have all the players on the sideline knowing what's coming. That's why I'm disappointed about the execution. How can you not go over every small little detail in that opportunity on the sideline?
3: Well, there's actually one thing that you said before you went on that little rant. Which was a very good rant, by the way. I don't hear you get worked up too often, but this is something that definitely warrants getting worked up. But you said this is, and Marcus Freeman said it himself as well, this is something that Notre Dame hadn't done all night to this point. Here you are in the late third quarter. You have a lead. Your defensive game plan has obviously been working because Ohio State, possibly the best offense in the country, has only scored seven points to this point. And then you roll out something that you had not done all night. Obviously, you had success without doing this all night, and it doesn't work. If you look at the other side of the ball, as I've said multiple times here, I've been going through Notre Dame's offensive possessions Jim Knowles rushed six. I'm not even halfway through the third quarter right now, and I'm pretty sure I've counted three to five instances where Jim Knowles has rushed six, and usually it ends up working because I think he found a weakness in that offensive line, and he went at it. Notre Dame had no idea. Th- this, was, this was the guinea pig rush six for Notre Dame. This was, we don't know if it's going to work, but if it does, it's, it's really going to work. You don't do that on third and 11 when you have the lead in a game that you've been playing lights out defensively. So I, I agree. Uh, I, I think at the time I thought it was a terrible decision. I think it's a terrible decision. Now, usually that's the way it goes with safety blitzes. If it works, a safety gets to the quarterback and you're saying, wow, this was a great idea by the defensive coordinator and the, co- and the head coach. They knew that this pressure was going to get there. I don't think they knew that this pressure was going to get there. If they were doing this, to call a different look for the sake of simply calling a different look, well, it didn't work, and it backfired. You lost the lead on that play, and you never got it back the rest of the game.
2: One more question for you, Tyler, as we start to wrap up our conversation. This actually caught me off guard today. Again, watching on TV, it's a little different than being at the game. But Patrick Engel, your colleague at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, always comes up with the – number of snaps each player had in the football game. And I was going through today, and one position really stood out. And I don't know if you thought the same thing or not, but you're at the game, so I'm going to throw this at you. Unless I missed something, I was shocked to see in the ball game at the safety position Brandon Joseph played 45 snaps, Ramon Henderson 30, DJ Brown 32, Griffith 33, Watts with 6. So I guess I'm surprised Joseph would even leave the field.
3: Yeah. And I know the expectation is the Kyle Hamilton sort of thing where you've got a unicorn. So you've got to leave him on the field at all times. I don't know if Brandon Joseph is in that vein Okay. in that, you know, he, he he's not six. And this, I'm not speaking athletically or as a football player. It's just that he's not six, four. He's, he's not a guy that other defenses never see. And, you can't really prepare for because even your scout team, your tech scout team defenses definitely don't have a guy like that. I think he's just another guy in a rotation that probably needs to come off the field here and there. Now is he the best safety that Notre Dame has to offer, absolutely. I think he was flying around the field, made that what I would call a questionable hit on Jackson Smith and Jigba, and that kind of changed the course of his rest of the game. But I do think he's a guy that needs to come out now. Did he need to come out that much? Probably not. But I think Notre Dame fell into a comfort factor with the way it was rotating. You never really saw how State take the top off the defense, even when Brandon Joseph was off the field. So the more that that became the case and the more that Marcus Freeman and Al Golden could see that Joseph could come off the field and things weren't going to go haywire, they did it a little bit more. And, you know, that was probably the toughest test that Notre Dame is going to face from an air-it-out standpoint until maybe the final game of the regular season against – usc so i think joseph is going to be a guy that rotates quite a bit definitely more than kyle hamilton I, I don't know it's kind of ironic for me to bring up hamilton because i'm the guy that always says we shouldn't compare him to hamilton but i just <laughs> kind of want to hammer that point home that you know jo- joseph is a little different of a player is He a great player absolutely but he's going to come off here and there too
2: what would you like to talk about things that are happening at blue and this week
3: Yeah, definitely go check out that article that I've been plugging a little bit in this interview tomorrow morning. If you want to see exactly what the Notre Dame offensive line did play after play against Ohio State, I am going to have gone through all of those plays by the end of the night. It'll be up tomorrow morning. We've got a Marshall preview going up tomorrow morning. You mentioned Patrick Engel. He does an excellent job. We're going to have coverage throughout the week leading up to Marshall. We're kind of in a groove right now. This is is our season groove, and we're going to cover Notre Dame like nobody else covers Notre Dame, so... Football season is in full swing. Go to blueandgold.com gold, if you want to read all things Notre Dame.
2: Very good, Tyler. Thank you so much for your time, your analysis, and I will talk to you Saturday with Game Day Sports Beat presented by Michael Boltra, which is eleven to one thirty from the stadium this week. And so, looking forward to that. Have a good week.
3: All right, that's a birthday edition of uh, the Game Day Show. By the way, that's my birthday, and. Uh... No better place than to spend it at a football stadium all day, and, and I say that wholeheartedly.
2: All right, all right. Well, happy birthday in advance, and hopefully we have a nice weather day and a good football day here in South Bend. That's a that's a long work day for your birthday, though. Someone's going to have to maybe buy a little dinner or something after the game to celebrate.
3: Yeah, we'll probably have to wait till like, Sunday afternoon because <laughs> if this last weekend was any indication, I'll, I'll be up pretty late. I, I, I'm thankful it's a 2.30 kick, let's just say that.
2: I'm with you there. Tyler, have a great week. We'll talk to you Saturday.
3: All right, looking forward to it, Darren. Thanks.
2: You bet. Tyler Horka, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, a boatload of coverage from the Ohio State game available right now. There's already starting to work in all that conversation about the Marshall game, so check it out at blueandgold.com. 5.53, I'll hand out
0: game balls next on WSBT.